Uh, I know that all of you are excited, as I am. I was happy to learn that Pastor Impaglia, on a way, uh, trip back from Ecuador uh, with Pastor Simbla, he was going to be coming through Chicago. And uh, naturally, the majority of his grandchildren are all in this area. And so nobody had to twist his arm to say, you know, will you stay for a few days to see your grandbabies? And, uh, but then we, we did twist his arm slightly to come here to speak. Actually, it wasn't really difficult either. Uh, and I, I am so grateful, uh, not only for the meatballs and sausage and the sauce that I consumed yesterday uh, and have every intention of consuming more, I don't know, maybe today, but um, I'm grateful for what this couple means to this church. And to many of you, I know uh, there is a history here that is sweet, that is wonderful, that is powerful. Uh, this dear couple has meant so much to many of you, as some of you, they are your spiritual parents. And uh, I, I am so grateful uh, that they have chosen to come back and be here today. We honor them. We appreciate them. We love them. Uh, but Pastor Impagli is going to come right now and minister the good word of the Lord. Just open your hearts as he breaks the bread of life. Thank you. Thank you, Pastor Lawrence. Uh, you could thank my wife for getting me here because... What had happened, we were supposed to go through Mexico, Mexico to Panama, Panama to Ecuador, but the airlines messed up our itinerary. And so we had to cancel Mexico and Panama and just go straight to Ecuador. And the agent said, look, on the way back, I can get you through Chicago, Chicago to Syracuse. And you're paying the penalty anyway. And so I said to my wife, well, I'm going to go through Chicago and then back to Syracuse instead of sleeping in the airport in New York City because I would have missed the last flight coming in from Ecuador and Miami. So he said, yeah, okay, I'll set that up. And uh, I said, I want to, you know, uh, this way I can get back straight to Syracuse. And then my wife said, why don't you stay in Chicago? I said, if it won't cost anything. And I called the agent. He said, oh, you can stay in Chicago without any cost. And so, it's her fault I'm here. <laughs> but the beautiful part of it is we go back together hand in hand on our birthday on Tuesday, back to Chicago. What did I say? I'm getting old. What do you want? <laughs> That's one of the signs. And I, I just don't know where to begin but the atmosphere of praise and worship is life to us. Um, it's, it's hard for you to understand why, but we, we left the pastorate of a church in Chicago at the end of September, and we've just kind of been drifting. I said, Chicago again. You understand. In Syracuse and wanting to know from the Lord where. And we've been visiting a couple of churches here and there, and there's just no praise, no worship, no adoration. And so don't lose that. And it's so wonderful to see those that we left who were like this 
now tower over us. And to see so many just so involved and the new faces, just beautiful, just beautiful, just beautiful. But we are grateful for what God has been doing here and for what he will do. This work is not ours. It doesn't belong to Pastor Lawrence and his wife. The work is the Lord's. And we've got to trust him to do what must be done. But God uses people. God uses people. And so I want to challenge you this morning with a word <clears throat> from the Bible. If you'll turn with me, please, to 1 Peter chapter 4, <clears throat> verse 8. And I pray that our hearts and minds will be open to what God has for us. 1 Peter chapter 4, and let's look at verse 8. Actually, let's go back to verse 7. The end of all things is near. Therefore... Be clear-minded and self-controlled so that you can pray. Isn't that amazing? You can't just pray any old way. You need to be clear-minded, not bogged down with 7,000 thoughts when you pray, but clear-minded and self-controlled so that you can pray. Above all, love each other deeply. Because love covers over a multitude of sins. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. This is here for a reason. And you all know what it is. When the toilet paper finishes, this is what you end up with. And... What we find is this. If you read clearly in the Bible, it tells us God has given us everything we need for life and for godliness. No one can say, I can't, I can't, I can't. You can, you can, you can. That at moments in life it might be a struggle and it might be difficult, yes. But to say, I can't follow the Lord, I can't obey the Lord, I can't do his will, is a lie. Because God does not lie. The Bible states with clarity, and you don't need to be a theologian to understand it, he has given us everything we need for life, for godliness. So the next question is, then what do I do? Lay hold of what he has offered us and appropriate it by faith. And you'll find that you can. Didn't Paul say, I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me? All things. And it's through the Lord Jesus Christ, by the help of the Holy Spirit, that we obey his word, and that we do what God challenges us to do right here this morning, and that is love each other deeply. Not superficially, when you're nice to me, I'm nice to you. When you do me a favor, I'll like you. 
But when they despitefully use you and they hurt you and they turn their backs on you, you continue to love deeply. Notice the Bible doesn't say love deeply when you are loved. It just says love. But what if they mean to me? Don't I get a chance to get back at them? You can take the chance if you want, but violating Scripture is not something I suggest you do. Bible says, love each other deeply, no matter what. We have a little um, sign that we found in a town outside of Syracuse, where we live. <laughs> and we have it in our kitchen, and it says... <laughs> Talk about senior moment. <laughs> Forever, for always, no matter what. Is that easy? Of course not. Is it possible? By the grace of God, yes. But notice something here, what the Bible says. Love covers over a multitude of sin. It doesn't get on the phone. Do you know what I just heard? Well, today it's not the phone. That's old hat. Today it's Twitter and Facebook and text messages and blogs and whatever else is out there. I mean, half the nation will know within 15 minutes of what someone did. That's not love. Love covers. It does not disgrace one who has made a mistake. Love does not expose the nakedness of one's error, but rather will cover and say, wait a minute, let me help you. When God sent his only begotten son, Jesus, to this earth, Jesus didn't go around exposing sin and say, look at that. Do you remember the woman caught in the act of adultery? She broke God's law. And what did the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the hypocrites want to do? They wanted to expose her, and they did. They said, look, we caught this woman. Can you imagine catching a woman right in that act? Now what are you going to do about it? What Jesus always did, he covered her over with his love. He didn't say, oh, yeah, you're, you're, you're a real winner, woman. You're bad. He looked around and said, any of you any better than she is? Okay, throw the first stone. I believe in the law. Go ahead. Go for it. He wrote something on the ground, and to this day, nobody really knows. Was he writing, hey, you, that's your sin. Hey, you, that's yours. I don't know that that happened because he wouldn't expose people's sins and shame them. Didn't do it to you. Didn't do it to me. But rather, he looked at her with eyes of compassion and a heart full of love and said, I'm not going to condemn you. Just don't go sin anymore. That's what love does. Love restores. Love reaches out and says, yeah, you made a mistake. This is what the Bible says, but come here. Let me pray for you. Let me pray for you. A friend of mine uh, had his church right next to a psychiatric center. 
and people who needed psychiatric help would go to this center. One day, there was a woman who had an appointment with one of the psychiatrists, and she tripped out on them and just lost it, went up to the roof and wanted to jump off and commit suicide. Cops were there, the ambulances, the fire department. There was a major commotion. And, and this pastor friend of mine said, what in the world's gone? I said, well, there's a woman on the roof ready to jump off. He approached the police officer and says, look, I'm a minister. Maybe I can be of some help. He said, look, just, just Reverend, don't be a hero, will you? You want to go up and just bless her or do something like that, fine. But just don't, 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 don't jump in on this. No, fine. Went up on the roof. Lady saw him and said, who are you? What do you want? I'm going to kill him. I said, no, you don't have to do that. Well, why not? Because Jesus loves you. Jesus cares about your life. You don't know about, I don't have to know you, but Jesus does. And just began to talk to her softly. And she came back and began to break down. And the cops grabbed her. And he said, don't, don't do that. She's hurting. But we have to cover. Fine. But don't cover with the hands behind her back. Why not? Please, just cuff her with her hands in front of her. He took off his jacket, threw it over the hands and the handcuffs, and walked out with his arm wrapped around her arm as if they were boyfriend and girlfriend. Love covers multitude of sin. He didn't want to shame her. He didn't want the cops to shame her. He didn't want to break the law. They had to take her away. A couple of Sundays ago, that woman was in church. And the pastor heard about it and said, do you mind if I give the test? Oh, no, go right ahead. But before she went to the church to become a member, she had visited a couple of times before and told the cops, I know this man. I visited his church, which is right next door, and that's the only place I've ever been where they loved me as I am. I don't care if the dead are raised in this building every Sunday. It wouldn't matter to me if angels come out of the ceiling. It wouldn't matter if you have the world's greatest choir and band. But if love isn't present, you've got absolutely nothing. Do we love to have all those other things? Absolutely. But do you think really people come to church because they want to see all of that? They come because they're hurting. And they need somebody to give them a hug and a warm smile and say, welcome. There are people who will give their right arm to just hear, I love you. Genuinely, I love you. Now, you, you, you come on. You, you folks here in the city know better. You know when somebody means what they say, and you know when somebody is just. And yet, the, the admonition comes above all. In other words, more important than anything else, love each other deep from in here. Way down deep, the same way that Jesus loved us. And no greater love at any man than this, that a man, what? Laid down his life. God isn't asking you to die for anybody. That would be foolish. He already did that. He is just asking you to be so self-sacrificial in your love until it hurts. Yeah, but what if they don't love me back? So what? 
God isn't asking you to love to see what you get in return. To me, the very act of loving is more than enough reward that God will allow you to be a vessel to let his love flow. Oh, come on, you've been around enough. You know what the Bible says love is. And on and on, 1 Corinthians. Did you, know, did you know this? God is not power. How many of you knew that? Mm, did I teach you something new this morning? God is not power. He has power. God is love. God is love. And the Bible teaches me love keeps no record of wrong. You know that little black book? Oh, you did it again, huh? All right, I remember. I'm a, oh. Right in there. Yeah. Oh, yes. And you keep it, and it's getting thicker and thicker and thicker. A Christian psychologist, former pastor, great speaker, heard of a couple, married couple, were having problems. The man was tripping on his wife saying, woman, you never put a fresh roll of toilet paper when the other one, yes, I do. No, you don't. I do. No, you don't. I'm the only one in the house that puts in the fresh roll of toilet paper. I do. No, you don't. No, you don't, and I will prove it to you. He pulls out a garbage bag filled with all of these little cardboard rolls. And on it, the date. The date that he put in a fresh roll of toilet. He says, here, I'm telling you, woman, I got the date on. Do you know what her response was? You're sick. <laughs> I want to go see a counselor. Got on the phone and he managed to get an appointment with a psychologist that afternoon. They go in. He blows up. He brought the whole bag of the <laughs> things with him. And he said, Doc, look, January 14th, January 19th, February 20th, and on and on and on and on. I'm the only one who puts in the new toilet paper. My wife doesn't do it. And after he calmed down, he says to the doctor, so what are you going to say? He looked at him, looked at her, looked back at him and said, you're sick. <laughs> now pay me $150. <laughs> Love keeps no record of wrong. Sure, people hurt us. How many of you have been hurt in life? But here's a more important question. How many of you have hurt in life? I'm not saying you wake up in the morning and say, Lord, who can I hurt today? It just happens. So what do you do? Mm-hmm. And you just walk 20 feet the other side of the room so you don't have to face that person. Can you imagine what it would have been like on the cross. Jesus dying, bleeding, suffering for you and for me. And he cries out, Father, forgive them, except Peter. Father, forgive them, 
except Judas. Father, forgive every, except those who wanted to kill me. He said, Father, forgive them. For they, you see, only love can talk like that. Only true love can forgive. Now, we just sang one of my favorite songs, When We All Get to Heaven. Don't think for a minute you cannot exercise love and you're going to make it to heaven. You're deceiving yourself because no sin shall enter there. Is it easy to love in your own love and strength? Absolutely not. God never asks us to do that in and of ourselves. But it is God who gives us his love so that we can say, Lord, give me the grace to love the unlovely. I think many times when we make the excuse that we cannot love, we need mama to slap up upside the head and say, wake up, you can do you know most church problems are nothing but a byproduct of immaturity? People who never grow up? They're still wallowing in their own little spittle and their pampers are so loaded that, that, that they can't walk straight? This fad going on today where their pants are hanging down over their knees, that ain't nothing new. That came out when pampers was invented. And they waddling down the street like this. They can't even walk straight. And then when they got to run, they got to run like an old lady trying to pick up a bloomers. Don't look at me cross-eyed. You know what I'm talking about. You might be bigger than me, but I ain't afraid of you. Oh, I love, I love, I love. Really? You do? Well, don't, don't, don't ask me the sign of love. Let's ask the Lord. Let's ask the Lord. Turn with me. John 14, the Gospel of John. Let me hear the paper rustling. <clears throat> and just after Pastor Lawrence announced what we were singing, I heard a cell phone go off. And I know it wasn't the Apostle Paul calling, so I trust that that one has been shut off. John 14, verse, well, no, l l let's go to John 13 first, then we'll go back to 14. It, just right over the other side of the page. John 13, verses 34 and 35. A new command I give you. Now, th this is Jesus speaking. This is not a disciple. This is not a theologian. This is Jesus speaking. A new command I give you. Love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. You know, we get so carried away because we are members of a church. And we think we're doing God a favor by coming to church. And maybe we serve and we have our positions and our titles and we feel so, oh my goodness, God, you are so blessed by having me in church. Well, of course God loves when we serve him and I think it's amazing to see the way people are serving the Lord. These young people who before used to be nothing but trouble are now serving the Lord. At the piano, at the, it's amazing. I am blessed by it. But let me tell you something. 
Whether you do or don't, God isn't concerned about that as much as he is about this. How will people know we really love? How will people know we are his? Well, go back to what Jesus said. You must love one another. By this shall all men know that you are my disciples if you love one another. That's it. Not if you go to that church or that church or that church or you claim you're this or that or you're a Baptist or a Methodist or whatever you think you are. That's meaningless. Do you love each other? Do you love each other? People can walk into the world's greatest congregation and be turned off. Listen, I'll tell you one thing. My wife and I were sitting in a church with 10,000 people in Jacksonville, Florida, on our way to Argentina. When did we go to Argentina? Look, February. I don't even know where I am, when I am. And about 10,000, 8,000 people in there. And the sing, oh, you talk about a choir, and you talk about music, harp, and this and that. I mean, they had a bandmaster, and... Absolutely extraordinary. But it was cold. It was nice, but it was cold. There was this little smile here and there. But you could sense something was missing. Do you know when people get so taken up with their denomination and their church, they think that only God has you as theirs? as his. There was a group of people from a Pentecostal church that arrived in heaven. Peter opens the gate and says, oh, welcome. Let me give you the tour. And he said, you see, that's Elijah sitting there at the gate. That's Paul. And there's Peter. That Moses? That's Moses. And there's Deborah and Queen Esther. And these people were so excited, all the prophets and that went on. And then all of a sudden they get to a wall. And Peter goes, Shh. on the other side are the Baptist. And they think they're the only ones up here. <laughs> you know, we laugh at that, but how many churches would not allow a congregation such as this. From every tribe, from every tongue, every color skin, you think God cares what you look like? So if he doesn't, how dare we? Love each other deeply means not those who only look like you. I grew up in a neighborhood, 99.99% Italian. Even the Jews spoke Italian. We were so many. But only me and my family were Sicilians. And Sicilians are not considered Italians. Oh, you didn't know that, did you? Oh, I learned something new this morning. Because you see, we're at the tip of the boot on an island. And they're always saying the rest of Italy has kicked us out. Look at the map. You'll see. And we were always put down because we were Sicilians. And Sicilians were considered brute, crude, animals. Well, in a sense, they were right. I mean, 
So what do we do? We tend to stick together with my people. Isn't that disgraceful? That's not heaven. Heaven doesn't have the Nigerian section and the Sicilian section and the African-American and the American-African section and the Puerto Rican section and the Filipino section and the Scots. <laughs> heaven is heaven because Jesus is there. Well, when we get there, will we all look like this? I pray not. We'll be perfect. But I don't think for one minute the color of your skin or the shade of your skin is going to change because Jesus invites us all. But here's where we have time to practice. You want to be known as a disciple of Jesus? Well, I go to that church, and here's my pin. doesn't mean a hill of beans. Jesus wants you to be known that you are his because you have no problem loving, 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 loving. Yeah, but that same person is always hurting me over and over and over. Did you ever stop to think maybe they want your attention? That's why they're doing it. They're calling it in a crude way, but they just want you to notice that they're there. Well, can't they do it another way? Teach them by loving them. I'm going to tell you a little story. Some of you might remember it. You've been around long enough. But when my wife and I first got married <clears throat> 41 years ago, this coming November, we lived up in the boondocks of northern Argentina. No running water, no electricity. I think the closest paved road was 12 or 13 blocks away. And I would go out and work and whatnot. And we would eat at midday. That was the custom. And my wife would cook. We had a dirt floor and whatnot. And I was raised in a home that was a zoo. My grandparents raised me. My mother worked all kinds of crazy hours. So I came home from school, and my grandmother would say, the food is on the stove. Eat, manja. And I'd have dinner at 3.30, 4 o'clock and whatnot, and, be, and I'd eat alone because they were elderly, and they would go to bed 4 or 5 o'clock. They, the, they, they were gone out. And I would just gobble the food down, and that was it. Got up from the table, and I carried this over into married life without ever realizing I now had to share my life with somebody who was sharing her life with me. My wife would cook, and I would come in, sit down, gobble my food, got up, and walked away and left her. One day I come home, and I noticed there was only one plate on the table. I said, well, my wife tends to fast, so today she's spiritual. She's fasting. I took the plate, put it on my side. My wife took the plate, put it back on her side. She serves the food. I said, you want me to serve myself? Ooh, I'm going to serve you. All right. What's up, woman? She said, I love you so much. And I care for you so much. But maybe you don't realize you don't take time with me and I miss you. So I'm going to eat first, and when I finish, I'll serve you to make sure you're at the table when I sit down. She could have slapped me. She could have yelled at me. She could have gotten into one of her female moods, and she could have done this and could have done that. But she loved me enough to tell me the truth and say, because I care, this is how we'll do it. End of story. 
I now stretch my food out and chew 29 times. Well, that's an exaggeration, but, <laughs> but let me tell you something, people. You don't need a mink coat to show your love. A gesture of kindness, a real warm smile, a kind word. More people are in need of love than you can possibly imagine. Do you know we can get so comfortable with the small group that we are that we forget there's a world out there that is dying on their way to hell with absolutely no hope? You enjoy the sermons. We enjoy the praise. But what about those who don't know? What about those who don't know. We're moved to compassion when we see what happened in Haiti and in Chile and other countries around the world, and then that dissipates. You know how religious this nation got when the Twin Towers were destroyed and 9-11 hit this nation. My goodness, they even brought the elephants to church. Well, I'm not kidding you. It was here in Chicago. Well, always in Chicago, you get the nut jobs. It happened to be one of those Sundays where they blessed the pets. And they walked up one of the cathedrals here in Chicago with an elephant. I don't know who did the cleanup, but the thing of it is the elephant was in there. Didn't last long. 9-11 went. 12-11 went. 13-11 went and all the rest. America went right back to business as usual. And in the meantime, people are still hurting. Nobody knows the agony of those who drop on a pillow at night and cry themselves to sleep. Well, is it my job to know? Well, you can't. That's why when we see people come into church, don't hover over them and slobber over them. Make them feel, just be simple. But let them feel the love of God in your heart towards them. Do you know your hug and your smile might be the only one they'll get till next Sunday? Because not everybody goes home to a normal household. Not every child has loving parents to hug them and care for them. Not every woman has a man to be nice to her or every man to be, has a woman to be nice to him. There are a lot of hurting, lonely people. And the only place they're going to find genuine love is in the house of God. We need to be carriers of God's love. That's why it says love deeply. The love has to be sincere. Not fake, not makeover. You think this is real here? It's a toupee. It looks good, but I could just pull it right off and give not. That one you knew. But you can't feign love and get away with it. People who are hurting know the difference when you mean it and they know when you don't. And is it any wonder why people harden themselves because they've not been loved at all? Hurt growing up, hurt during life, hurt on the job, hurt in school, hurt on the street, and hurt in church. Hurt in church. This is where people get hurt the deepest, in the house of God. Because they're shunned, because they're different. That, listen to what the Bible says. Don't just be nice to those who come in dressed well with jewels, but the one who doesn't have it, treat them the same. 
Don't signal them out. Treat them the same. An act of kindness goes a long way. And I'm not talking just dropping a, a, a dollar in the bucket. I'm talking of letting that person know, Jesus loves you. What can I do to help you? By this shall all men know that you are my disciples. Now, we, we, we as believers in Jesus, we, we love to say, yes, we love. The, we, we, oh, Lord, you know how I love you. Really? Now, let's go to the next chapter in the Gospel of John, verse chapter 14, verse 15, and I'm coming to an end. If you love me, oh, my goodness, look how Jesus talks rather clearly, huh? If you love me, in other words, is it possible not to love him? Apparently. But if you love me, you will obey what I command. Ouch. That hurts. Love your enemies. Do good to those who despitefully use you. Years ago, when on staff in Brooklyn, I remember counseling a couple who came in. They had problems, and I listened, and I listened, and I was getting nowhere. No matter what she said, he said it was wrong. No matter what he said, she said, not true. Back and forth, like a ping pong, back and forth. And I'm trying to the best of my ability, which was quite limited, to try to get a handle on the situation and help them. It was useless. Half hour went by. An hour went by. I said, Lord, you've got to help me. I can't see this couple leave here like this, hurting that marriage won't last. What can I say? And I sense the Holy Spirit speaking to my heart, love your enemies. I said, hey, whoa, 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 hold on, you two. Let me ask you a question. Do you love each other? In other words, they didn't. I said, okay, do you believe the Bible? Oh, do we believe? Of course we believe the Bible. They're lying through their teeth, but anyway. Of course we believe the Bible. Will you do what the Bible says? Yes. Is that your wife? Yes. Is that your husband? Yes. Then love her as an enemy. Huh? This guy's eyes went like this. His jaw dropped. I said, is that your husband? He, yes. Love him as an enemy because you can't love each other as husband and wife. They were shocked. I said, do what the Bible says. You just said you would obey the scriptures. If you love me, do what I command. And Jesus commanded, love your enemies. That takes care of the people you don't like. Love them as an enemy. And just maybe they'll become your friend. Well, I'll be friendly to them when they start being friendly to me. Grow up. It doesn't work that way. Jesus didn't come down looking for Christians in church praising him. He looked for the worst of the lot. And he loved us where we were. He didn't find me sitting in church praising him when he found me. He found me in the squalor of sin. 
breaking the laws of God and of man, living like an animal, that's when he loved me. And all he is asking us is that we be imitators of him. Love the unlovely with the love that he gives us to love others. Let the sign of the church always be the amazing love of God. Nothing speaks louder, nothing speaks with more power nor with more volume than people who can genuinely love one another no matter what. If you're going to wait for the right situation to come about before you start loving, it's not going to happen. Now, it's scriptural. If you love me, then obey my commandments. Oh, Lord, you know that's hard. Well, he's not asking you to do it in your own strength. He knows you don't have what it takes. But I can do all things. Oh, listen, I have to, I've been tested on this I don't know how many times. And let me tell you how deep this went, and here I close. Years ago, somebody did me dirty. My wife knows the situation. It wasn't in this country. So I was thinking who it could have been. It was in Argentina. I mean, this person messed me up royally. I came to the point where I got so depressed because I was so angry at what this person did to me. And he was over me in the Lord. That made it worse. And you know what added fuel to the fire? Everybody that knew the situation said, you're right, he's wrong. That's all I needed to hear, right? You're right, oh, you're right, him, he's wrong. I heard that and I said, I knew I was right hating him. Except I forgot to hear what God had to say. I left the country, we came to America, and it gnawed at me what that man did to me, what that man did to me, what that mean. You know, you know when you let the devil take that little key and he turns, and I would toss and turn at night if I could only get my hands on him and take, I thought of ways, what could I do to hurt him? That's how ugly it got. And one day, the Spirit of God said to me, you hypocrite. You stand in the pulpit on a Sunday and you open your Bible and you can't look. Yeah, but God, look what he did to me. And look what they did to me. I came to my senses and I said to my wife, I have to go to Argentina. The insanity of this. I wasn't invited to preach. I wasn't going to see anybody. I had to go and meet this man, spend over $1,000 to go to Argentina, sit down with him and ask him to forgive me. That was an expensive session of forgiveness. Well, couldn't you have written a letter? No. I could have fudged it. I had to go eyeball to eyeball. I invited him to a restaurant. He says, what can I eat? I said, whatever you want. He would have to choose the most expensive thing on the menu, right? I said, I'm here for one reason. Yes, how can I help you? I said, look. This, 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 that. I'm asking you to forgive me because for years I've harbored anger and resentment against you. I was expecting him to say, come here, brother. Let me hug you and I forgive you. He began to reason why he did what he did. And the devil said, you idiot, you spent all that money 
you forgive him and asking him to forgive you, and he's still the same. And I said, get thee behind me, Satan. It didn't matter his reaction. What mattered was my reaction. I left the excess baggage in Argentina, and I came home relieved because I knew I did what the Bible tells me to do. From there on, it didn't matter who was right, who was wrong. I'm sorry. Stand with me, please. Heavenly Father, this morning, we have nothing but gratitude to express to you because while we were yet sinners, your Son, Jesus Christ, died on the cross for us. When we were ungodly, you loved us. Lord, we've been hurt in life, and perhaps there are those here this morning who have brought some of this hurt with them. Now, Lord, we know that as human beings we are sentimental and we feel this pain and it is not easy to release it. But, Lord, we cannot leave with hurt feelings. We cannot leave with resentment. We cannot leave this building with anger. We cannot leave with wrong attitudes towards anyone because how in the world can we stand here and say, Lord, we love you, and we can't see you, and we can't even love our brother or sister whom we can see? It doesn't work like that. So, Jesus, I pray that your sweet Holy Spirit will just come over us and like oil that soothes the wounds, your love will be poured out upon us in a fresh way that we can sense a healing balm this morning, that any pain or hurt done to us by others, we will release to you and leave the excess baggage behind and sense this is a new day. That we can not only love one another here in this congregation, but now go out into the highways and byways, and those who are hurting can see, uh-oh, somebody loves me. May our paths cross someone today who is hurting desperately and just looking for a warm smile or a hug. I pray, Lord, for every husband in this room, that there will be a baptism of love from heaven, that we will begin to love our wives in the way that your word so indicates, not only with words but with actions and deeds. Pray for every, every, every uh, wife in this room, O oh Lord, that there will be a fresh anointing from heaven that, we can, that they can love their husbands as dumb and as ugly as they sometimes can get, but love them no matter what, forever and for always. I pray for every single person, Lord, that there will be a genuine love and concern for others because single people tend to become so isolated. And Lord, all of us baptize us with a love for the lost that within a month's time we will bring so many sinners into this room to hear of the love of Jesus Christ that we will be amazed at what love can do.
Hallelujah. Let your divine purposes for every individual be fulfilled, God. Let your plan for this work come to fruition sooner than later. Let every need that is here in this room be met, God. Raise up an army of people who will dedicate themselves to obeying your word, to giving their tithes faithfully, to serving you faithfully, to come on a Tuesday night to pray faithfully, O oh God. Raise up young people, middle-aged people, older people to serve you wholeheartedly. May we leave the bag of excuses to one side and say, Lord, a new work, a new work of grace within my soul. Bless your, the pastors here, Father. Strengthen and encourage them, O oh Lord. May they be surrounded with an army and a host of people who will lift up their arms in the middle of the battle. May they see the fruit of their labors, O oh Lord. We will give you all the honor, all the glory in the precious name of Jesus.